Fuck, it's an 87th Precinct bonus episode. We've just completed our main episode uh, a week ago or something, if you're listening to this <laughs> and not being us, of the about the book Shotgun, the 23rd 87th Precinct book from 1969. So without any further ado, let's get into looking at the editions that we own, and then we'll have a look at the original publications, as we always do, mm. to give you a bit of an overview of what they were like in the, when they came out in uh, America and the UK initially. I know we avoid a lot of the looking at the around the world, but it's A, quite hard to find all the foreign editions, B, hard to know which book's which necessarily without ages doing translate <laughs> jobs, of which I've started doing, and... See if you do find the images; they're not always very high quality, so it's sometimes quite hard to tell. But yes, there are. I try and share the ones I find anyway. So let's just have a quick look. I'm going to start with mine because if you've been following along with our bonus episodes, you'll know that we're in the UK pan edition super era for quite a time now, really. And the edition that I have was from a fourth printing of the 1971 edition by Pan Books. And it is very simply the barrel of a shotgun on a greyish background with the sort of stencil-like type at the top. And I will throw over to Steve over his edition, which is also a pan edition. But yours was the sixth printing, 1982, which just has a different title. Has the same image. Yeah, has the gold band McBain title, which I quite like. It's one of my favourite ones. uh, The end of a shotgun barrel on as well. Yep. Quite simple. It is, yeah. We've got the same rears, I bet. Yeah, same stuff typed on the back. Slightly different fonts, I think. Not for sale in Canada. No, they're always... Yeah, there must have been some weird thing, because that's on a lot of books. How much was your edition in 1981 or whatever? £1.25. Oh, mine was 50p in 1976. Yeah, so it'd be rampant inflation in the second half of the 70s. So... We come to Morgan's edition, which is a mysterious beast of a like I've never seen before. Yeah, we don't see too many of these, do we? It's um, I don't actually know the year, because it helpfully doesn't tell me at all. But it's a Signet edition. Um, Signet, who... Uh, was the, the, they yeah, were the original, the original. Uh, softback publisher. Indeed. So it tells me that it was originally published by Signet in 1970. And this is the uh, 16th printing, I think. Good but, grief. Um, I don't know what year this is. I think I, I'd guess somewhere in the nineties, but yeah. So mm, if, if you just yeah. describe the cover, I think people could it's, tell. You know, we'll it's, put it's, images. It's a very, very bright red. It's quite lurid. It, uh, it has a, a very large Ed McBain lettering, and then just a, a, a representation of a tattoo of a dagger with the name Andy. Yeah. Which you know is is fair enough, except it doesn't really relate that much to the title. It relates yeah. to the book, obviously, but I imagine someone just seeing it on a shelf would be like shotgun, but that's a dagger. Yeah, it is. which you know there is knife crime in the book. There is, but mm-hmm. it's a it's a bit of a uh, find it don't find it massively appealing that no. that look. Can I just have a quick look? Uh, just because. By all means. Sometimes on the signets you can tell the year from the code, and on this one, unless it was published in the year fifty six seventy four, I don't think it helps. <laughs> so it, it does look kind of early nineties, that doesn't it? Ninety three, ninety four. Yeah, someone who's got their desktop publishing software in overdrive. <laughs> yeah. So we yes, we'll put pictures up of, of our editions as well as the original. I've nearly killed myself huffing mine. If yes, have you heard a cough before? It was because Steve had taken a, a deep dive. He's doing Incred- it again. Incredibly pungent, that. The most pungent of huff for a while, that. 
Well, I'm glad there's something that's left to surprise you. Sure. Yeah. It's like sniffing a shotgun barrel, I reckon. Oh, dear me. Similar. Mine's just quite normal for a, normal. a, a 70s paperback. Right. And uh, yeah, Morgan always open. passes his out across yeah, because he doesn't trust, right. trust his olfactory capacity. Odorless, that. Yeah. yeah. Too new. Yeah, too new. Who knew? Too new. Who knew? Too new. Goodbye, Columbo, Columbo. <laughs> so back to the original editions. I will show these to the chaps oh, here. I always get excited about these. Yeah. Oh, me, uncross me legs. So that's how excited he is. He's uncrossed his legs, everyone. He's moved miles away from his microphone as well yeah. in order to, to see these. Oh, I like those. My goodness. Right, okay. So which... Uh, that's... Gosh, the original uh, US paperbacks got a fairly garishly violent cover, hasn't it? Yeah, quite like I quite I quite like I quite like that one, the US hardback. US hardback shotgun like the pellet splatter. Yeah, spelling that's pretty the, cool. spelling the word shotgun on Yeah, it's wall. mainly negative space, but then the word shotgun is, is, is done as if it was the blast pattern. And I like the font. Yeah, that's a that's a cool bit of design though. And then the UK hardback has got a guy with a tattoo on and then a shotgun Representation of a, a blast, blast yeah. face with the face obliter- obliterated out, and the U.S. paperback looks a bit bonkers. It's, it's rather bloody, isn't it? Okay, yeah. I found it quite hard to find a high-quality copy of the mm. original paperback mm. edition. And then but the it, yes. U.K. paperback, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's a shotgun cartridges and a lady's body. Yeah. Hmm, so they've moved. So the original pan editions, which for three or four books have been just a picture of a pistol, they've clearly thought we can't just have a picture of a pistol on the front of a book called Shotgun. Yeah, <laughs> they've at least made that that, that leap. So what, what do we want? Uh, I know breasts. Yeah, yeah. I think, and I think that's my favourite. The the US hardback. So the original the yeah, original like version that. is Steve's favourites. As I say, I'll put uh, versions of this up on the Instagram feed and various social media for people to look at. I will now show you guys as well the original publication cover, which I could only find one image of, and it's not very high resolution. So this is how it was published in the Star Weekly version. The Star Weekly. And um, so this is a this is like a news newsprint thing. <laughs> it's, it's it's a like bit odd. John Candy wearing sunglasses. Looking at some the borrowers. That's, <laughs> that's very strange. That's a marvelous. Well, what's that supposed to be? Though? I don't know who that's supposed to be, really. It's like that giant face in uh, Zardos. Yeah, <laughs> that goes around like barfing guns out in the countryside. Is the face meant to be sort of forming out of the smoke from the shotgun? Or I don't know. the problem is it's too low resolution to tell. But looks, it is a big looks... fat face with sunglasses on, a shotgun, someone on the floor, Somebody and they put in someone, in someone loading the uh, yeah. They look like farmers, and then somebody dead, and then John Candy looking at them all. John Candy meets the borrowers together at last. <laughs> it tells you everything you need to know, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, it's, that's uh... a bit, a bit, yeah, <laughs> very strange. Yeah. Indeed. So that, that, that's why the other versions are not for sale to Canada. They can only have the version with John Candy on the front. Yeah. What I didn't do in the main podcast, but I will do now, is I'll just go over some of the contemporary reviews of the book. So, the Criminal Records review page in The Guardian, from 1970, written by Francis Isles, says, Ed McBain's shotgun, 
which was 21 shillings from Hamish Hamilton, Ooh. is, as usual, a good tale embellished by bright little irrelevancies. I like that. Mm-hmm. In fact, the irrelevancies seem to occupy more space than the rather tenuous main story. That sort of chimes with what we were saying. Yeah. yeah. That's... But there is a striking, if not altogether, original plot, and the denouement will come as a genuine surprise. Are you mm-hmm. making a noise? Uh, well, I did platter my spectacles against the... Uh... The shock of me using the word yeah. denouement. Mm. And in um, the New York Times, our friend uh, Anthony Bauscher is no longer writing oh, Criminals no. at Large. It is a chap called Alan J. Hubin, about whom I know nothing, but mm. I'm hoping something exciting will turn up if Have I start... Got another sycophant to write the reviews of this? <laughs> well, this is from July the 13th, 1969. The best book I've ever read in my life. Ed McBain in last year's Fuzz brought us the 87th Precinct in a lighter sometimes ghoulishly lighter vein Shotgun from Doubleday $4.95 is a similar attempt which does not come off as well (coughs) (laughs) (laughs) the plot is fragmentary and the humour less inspired I would only take criticism with that in that I don't think he's trying to be particularly humorous in this no I mean there's always some humour. Yeah, that's which is a day-to-day human thing. Yeah. But Fuzz, I think he deliberately pushes it a bit. Yeah. In this, so I think that's a bit of a strange comment. I don't think that's the tone he's going for in this one at all. So He says, but in spite of this, it compares rather well with several alleged fun novels, like Where Did All the Girls Go? I don't know what that is. Reviewed here recently. I'm not going back through all of these reviews to find him his review of a different book that he's comparing this book to. Someone took a shotgun to Mr. and Mrs. Andrew Layden. The result was messy. While Corella and co. are looking into this one, Mrs. Layden seems to have had a friend, now absent, their bailiwick is visited by another discouragingly clueless homicide. Like Good use of the word bailiwick mm, there. Indeed. We've had denouement and bailiwick. And scofflaws. And scofflaws. <laughs> so there's been all sorts of exciting words in this, uh, this mm. run of episodes. So, we'll get to the meat of the thing, which was... In attempt to pacify our listening public, <laughs> clamouring for who are you going to cast in the 87th Precinct if it was a series, we said we'd start by looking at when. And we've talked about it a little bit before, uh, put some of our ideas together, but I'd like to just tell you guys some of the things people have been saying on social media about their ideas for when they'd set hmm. stuff. Okay. So from Jim Goodwin on Twitter, who thought it was a great question. Thanks, Jim. It was. His, he said his first thought is to keep it current, but in an era of CSI-level tech, it would need significant rewriting not to clear mm-hmm. cases in double time. Absolutely agree with that. Audiences also expect that of a modern show. The shoe-leather approach of the 87th might play old-fashioned in any case. So he says, so, period. Well, period's a tricky one with the 87th precinct yeah. because of the ageing and stuff, so you'd perhaps have to declare which period, but mm. I think your comment about... The CSI stuff is is relevant. Mm. Unless you set each series in a different decade. Oh, a bit like... Well, True Detective, which I've never watched, but doesn't that the different series of that have different... I've only ever seen one. Different oh. cast doing different things. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. although yeah. I don't think you'd want to be that remote from the from the basic concept, but you could potentially... Mm. Yeah, you could potentially just say, well, series two, it's the same characters, but it's the 80s now, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and just say and that's how it is. Moving it through... At the times, as the novels did, would be an interesting something different, wouldn't it? Yeah, there'd be something no cop show has ever quite done before. I don't think. What, what, do we have any other? We've got some other comments. Yeah, our pal Hank 
He says, this question illustrates why I'm not interested in 87th Precinct <laughs> TV series. I like seeing the characters the way McBain portrayed them in words and over time as constants amid an ever-evolving society. Mm. Again, agree. That's, mm-hmm. that's one of the joys yep. of the books. On TV, they'd just be TV cops on just another TV cop show. Mm. Well, that's why it would need some careful consideration. It certainly would. But TV cop shows can be good. They can. Some of them can be crap, though. <laughs> Bill Slocum says, read the TV series. I'd split it somewhere down the middle of the 87th lifespan, say late 1970s. Gritty, vulgar, un-PC, awash in hard drugs and Carterian malaise. Oof, nice. I think he's talking about uh, Jimmy Carter's presidency, which yeah. was a troubled time for yeah, the Sam, States. That's, that's, mm, I get my vote, that, yeah. Uh, well, I think it sort of chimes with my thoughts. Our friend Adam Paxman said, I would set it as a period piece. Fincher's Mindhunter is good in this respect. But I question the use of whiteboards in FBI classrooms in the mid-1970s. <laughs> Well, I, I can't help you there, Adam, on that. Well, I've, I've seen that, yeah. Did you uh, feel that the whiteboards detracted admit, from I'm the reality? That, I'd not really noticed that, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah. yeah. You so could it's... solve all this problem, though, and have it like set in like medieval times. <laughs> Imagine that. It could be set in, like, Carcassonne somewhere, or, like... The 87th uh, Fortress. Or... Yeah, or like Madrid or somewhere. And imagine that. I'm imagining it. It's taking a bit of a leap of uh, yeah. or imagination. The future. Or the future. As you say. A dystopian future, which is no mobile phones. The, my main requirement is no mobile phones. Hmm. Otherwise, yeah. that's So post technological future. Yeah, so it's got to be either. So Zardoz again. Either the late 70s or in some post apocalyptical future where technology's kind of gone backwards a little bit. Yeah. Well, interesting. A couple of other comments relevant to this. Our our pal Stella says, with technology the way it is now, I wonder how many of the older stories could be told without significant changes made to the plot. Yeah. True. Writing and rewriting a TV thing has got a lot of issues you'd have to deal with. You can't be having mobiles around, I don't think. And a friend on Instagram who goes by the name Eclectic Innovation. Uh-huh. If you're going to innovate, you might as well be eclectic. Absolutely. says, my preference would be for a series set in the early to mid-60s. It's my favourite mini-era, and many of my favourite 87th Precinct novels stem from this time frame. I do like that period yeah. as well. I think it would make you struggle with some of the later stories, and that was when the first TV series was set, as in when it went out, sort of 62, 63, and that felt very backwards-looking. So, mm. I don't know, maybe if you put it in 65, that would be perhaps a good point to yeah yeah i don't know but i thought on the subject of technology being the issue i I did a little sort of look at when some of the key things cropped up or technology advances changes for instance raid patrolmen and detectives people having radios on them Mm -hmm. which is almost a mobile phone precursor it is yeah that only started to happen in the late 50s so that's constant through the 87th precinct so we can assume that certainly by the 70s Portable radios are in play in the books. Yeah. Anyway, not just radio patrol cars. As far as I could tell, basically in the in the sixties, they they started having the Motorola sort of portable things rather than these having to go always go to a phone. Mm. So these more yeah, the more portable and effective radios were the mid sixties. So the Miranda rights, yeah. obviously nineteen sixty six. We talked about that before. Nine one one, which hasn't cropped up yet. No, mm. but I suspect will crop up in the next book. 
because that came into play in New York in 1968. Oh. So while McBain was writing Shotgun, <laughs> 911 came into effect when they built a new central communications centre for the police. It definitely comes up in the yeah. books, but mm. I, I can't remember if it's the next one or not. DNA profiling, mid 80s. Yeah. And then becoming a lot more common, obviously, a good few years yeah. later on. Yeah. So by the time you get into the mid-90s and then certainly into the turn of the, of the millennium, it's almost day-to-day to some extent. Yeah. You know, I don't know how realistic that CSI stuff is and how quickly they turn mm. around this DNA stuff. I know we're reading that I'll Be Gone in the Dark, the Golden State Killer case. I think yeah. if DNA profiling had been a lot more common earlier then they would have clearly cracked that case a lot sooner but there were only a few labs in the country who were offering it when it was sort of originally coming in and yeah Yeah. and by pure coincidence i've been doing a lot of work at my work with people who've been doing uh, teaching people about the use of whole genome sequencing in disease treatment or identifying uh, resistance to to drugs and it's all now about moving from a few labs with big expensive machines to more labs where you need less skilled people operating these machines yeah. and the machines are smaller and more portable so you can do DNA sampling much, much quicker. And that's only happening now. Yeah. But anyway, it does have an impact mm. on these things. Of course. As do particularly computers, mm. which of course, again, mid-80s is when the NYPD starts using them and therefore that's where they come into the books as well, including those mobile data systems that they have in cars. And my favourite thing I found out while looking about technology and, and the police was the police are never, certainly in the NYPD, haven't been issued smartphones or they weren't issued smartphones for years. Mm. 2015, they started getting standard issue smartphones for responding to calls, for getting information and messages. And they gave them all smartphones that use the Windows operating system, which was notoriously unreliable. <laughs> so they're now swapping them all out for iPhones and things like that. So there was no standardised use of mobile phones anyway. But the point with that, I think, when you say about mobile phones, is it wouldn't just affect the police, it would affect the the, the perpetrators and the criminals and things, wouldn't it? It would, yeah. So do we go with the 70s, as our initial instincts were? How how are we going to resolve this? Are we going to have some sort of... Murder. Vote? I don't know. I think we just need to uh, debate it until someone's tired. (laughs) Well, we we had a sixties and a seventies there, didn't we? We didn't have we had a yeah. we had a movable feast suggestion. Well, so we, we, we've had nothing for the eighties or after, have we? Other than not really moving. So sixties, seventies. I think the seventies would get my vote. Seventies, yeah. I mean, we, it wouldn't have to be the wouldn't have to be the late seventies. I mean, instead of. Um, we could move through the seventies, maybe. Yeah, and that's it, true. I mean, you could 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 start in the Nixon era and go through the the Carter era. Uh, and yeah, maybe you do move a little bit with the times, because otherwise it would be the yeah. Because some of the eighties ones, I think, would kind of need to be set in the eighties as well a little bit. So, so pra- little bit, perhaps yeah. you do need to move it forward. Yeah, but maybe by sort of season four, you might be into sort of Reagan era. So if you moved it through from the beginning of the 70s to the mid-80s, that's kind of 15 years. Yeah. And that's probably realistic for the number of books, cases, and, and the age... Ageing of the The ageing of the characters from being in their, you know, in Corella's case, probably early to mid-30s, maybe at the beginning, mm. to be probably pushing 50 and retirement age at the end of the... Mm. Um, yeah. 
So, uh, so perhaps that, perhaps moving them. We have yeah. to remember as well that as we all get older, the seventies is a period piece now of its, yeah. of its own accord. It's it is, not. Yeah. It's it's not period piece does not mean the nineteen thirties oh, oh, anymore or the eighteen eighties. No. And it would take some good production work to make that feel authentic because a lot of the time seventies stuff for a few years has sort of looked really naff and people have just sort of treated it like. Oh, it was just a little while ago and it was a bit daft. Do you remember big trousers? Yeah, I mean, you'd still have a certain amount of big lapels big, and, oh yeah, and yeah. things, but I'm imagining it looking a bit like um, something like, I don't know, that slightly beige-looking kind of um, early 70s film quality to it. Like yeah. A bit. I want 70s cars and lots of pollution and that kind of vibe. So I think 70s through mid-80s, beginning of series to end of series. I think you'd be perhaps remiss to ignore time passing because mm. although the cops don't necessarily age in the books, time is a character in there as yeah, well yeah. because of the things that happen, the the attitudes and the, the history of the of the place that it's set by proxy. Yeah. So the, the mystical, magical time frame of the 87th Precinct is important. You couldn't ignore that. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Starting in the early 70s, yeah. and maybe jump a few years with each series if we're... Potentially, yeah. yeah. We'll go with that. Okay, so we'll we've declared that. that in our 87th Precinct series that we want to see exist, we're going to start in, shall we say, 1972. Yeah. Seems as good a place We're happy as any. with that? Yeah. We're going to yeah. put a firm stamp on that and we're going to put it into Kenneth's systems to start checking the variables. Now what we want to decide then for the next episode is who are we going to talk about in casting terms, character-wise. And I don't think we want to go in with any of the big guns. No. So we don't want to be casting Corella this early. No. Get thinking about it, everyone. Oh. But uh, Who are we going to cast first, yeah? I've got an idea who I'd like to think uh, about. Uh, yeah, so have I. So I say, well, I think Go we should on, cast then. first. I think we should call, uh, cast Bob O'Brien first. Oh, right. So you're going for one of the uh, second stringers, or yeah. third stringers, possibly even. Uh, I, I'm interested in, in casting for um, Alf Miskolo. Mm. <laughs> well, I think some of these might have to be done in uh, batches. Because <laughs> I think... Ba- we're batch casting Bob O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> well... Could someone who was auditioning for the role of Alf Miscolo or Miscolo not also audition for Bob O'Brien? Who do you want to cast first then? I think we shouldn't go to... Hal Willis. No, not even that high up. Peter Burns. Pete Burns. Well, I suppose he's in charge. Yeah, Yeah, go go in with the the lieutenant. Bullet-headed Pete Burns. Let's go with that then. Well, let's see what our listeners think. Well, we'll tell them. Get thinking about who you could cast as Pete Burns. And we're doing fantasy casting, aren't we, from any any period? Yeah, we are, yeah. It wouldn't be a bad thing for us to turn up with realistic casting for if we were making it now and fantasy casting suggestions, yeah. possibly. It'd be nice to have some alive people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah we and should. then we can copy into them on Twitter and they might actually retweet us. Yeah, we might get I, more I, listeners. I think, um, yeah, dead or alive, you can cast whoever. Yeah. Okie doke. So get your thinking trousers on and ponder on who you would cast as Pete Burns. And what I'll do is I'll find... And Bob O'Brien. <laughs> well, just everyone, but, you know, specifically Pete Burns. Yes. I will find an apposite... Or I'll find the atypical description of him in one of the books, and I'll, I'll tweet that out as well, should you need any help. Not that you have to cast according to the strictness of what's no. been written. Who knows? You might want to cast a talking dog, I don't know. 
Yeah. Well, I don't know. Don't poochie this uh, <laughs> this scenario. Right. What are you on about? Talking dog. I know, I've just been silly. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So I think that's that's us for now, isn't it? We've we've started to tackle well, this very the, important. We've got the, the ball rolling on that, we certainly. Have. Please feel free to disagree with us, as we will feel free to disagree with you. <laughs> we'll see you soon for um Jigsaw, the next mm-hmm. book. That's terrific. Oh Columbo. I think I've seen it. Oh, well, we'll, we'll sort that out. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> right, bye-bye, everyone. Goodbye. There thee well. Goodbye.